wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Here we go. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. How's it going, Brad? Dramatic pause there between auto and off. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's been two weeks. Maybe people forget the name of the show. So you got to, you know, get it out there slowly. Auto Off Topic. So again, two weeks, Andrew. What are we doing to the people here? Uh, I don't know. Keep them waiting. What are we doing? Keep them waiting. Yeah. Listen, busy, if busy you want to pay per episode... Donate to our Patreon that we don't have. No. Yeah. Um, no, we, we don't have one of those. <clears throat> no. Uh, and I don't well, think it would make yeah. us be any more efficient because it's just based on literally the time we have to do this. You know where you can always reach us? Come hang out in our Discord. Yeah, very true, actually. That's. There is. I, I feel like. Okay to advertise that because we don't advertise a Patreon yeah. or give, you, give, give us money. Just come hang out on the Patreon. You can just talk Sorry. to us. There. <laughs> that uh, means our, Discord. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a group of people that are doing a dirt rally. There's like some dirt rally group. It's like another Discord that you have to join that we're not affiliated with, but they do like dirt. I do know that I haven't joined it yet, but today they were talking about it, and the fastest person in our Discord, who's quite fast, or one of the faster people in our Discord is uh, three minutes slower than the fastest people in that league. So I'm not sure that's really the league. Yeah, there are, uh, quote unquote, aliens in that league. There there are people that are yeah insanely fast at Dirt Rally 2. I don't, it does it's like usually these Eastern Europeans, there's a bunch of Estonians on the Discord in that one, and they're just like really, really fast for some reason. I don't know why. That's just like any video game, right? It doesn't matter how good you are. Somebody's twice as good as you. Yeah. And it's like, is there nothing else to do where you are? So you just do that. I don't know. Like long, dark winters. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Like it's, uh, you know, like the reason why these little tiny diecasts exist is because there's places in the world where it's too expensive to own cars, but it's cheaper to buy these little model cars. So that's how you collect cars. Well, I mean, instead. it's so then maybe it's, it's cheaper like, for us to buy diecast too, but it is not nearly as. Yeah. <laughs> no, but my my point is that maybe there's like there's not a lot of other motorsports in Estonia, so you just do e motorsports, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is some like weird like secret advantage to the improvements of video games over the years that's kind of opened up motorsports to broader crowd i mean that's the whole reason for the gran turismo movie right did you see that yet i have not seen it yet Hmm. 
Interesting. I'm just at this point. I'm just gonna wait till it. I just didn't get to it, man. I'm just gonna wait till it comes out on streaming. I guess, which is I'm probably sure not far away. Moment, momentarily. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably go upstairs. It'll be on streaming. No, all right. I'll hold off on uh, the review of the movie because I don't want to spoil anything. No, I... I have a hard time talking about a movie without giving away everything. Not that you don't already know the basic plot, but. I mean, now that we've gone it's... down this tangent because Discord comes from like video games, uh, it is going to be sure. an exciting winter because new Forza comes out in like a couple weeks. Yep. New WRC game, which replaces Dirt Rally. Which I suppose it looks pretty good. So, and I think that we'll be doing a bunch of Forza and Rally stuff on the Discord. Um, I know that the most recent update to Forza has like um, friend competitions where you don't have to drive at the same time, and it'll do like ghost cars with your friends oh. on different tracks. Yeah, so well, I'm sure the new Forza will yeah. also have that. Hopefully, so we'll have to do some stuff like that with the you know members of the Discord and uh, kind of do some friendly friendly competitions of track times and whatnot in Forza. I think that might be fun. So I was actually I, I hadn't played in a while. I turned my Xbox on and it did four or five hours worth of updates. And once that was all done, I put the game in and did another forty five minutes worth of updates. And then finally, I got to play. And one of the things I noticed was it had a, uh, you had set a time at some track in some car and it was like, oh, beat your friend, race in anger or whatever your name is on Xbox. I forget. I think it's race in anger, right? I don't remember. Yeah, it might be. Anyway, it was like, I'll uh, beat your friend, race in anger. And I was like, all right, I will. <laughs> so I went out there and I drove until I beat your time. So I did. <laughs> but I think that kind of stuff might be part of the new Forza, which is kind of making me excited for it. So um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, it's the opposite here in, in Phoenix, right? Like, I grew up waiting for spring and hating fall, whereas now I live out here and it's like, I love fall because it means winter's coming because winter here is gorgeous. I mean, summer's okay, too, which is really hot. So, but now the really nice season's coming and I'll want to play video games less, but that's okay because... I still will anyway. But yeah, I'm excited. Both games come out in the next in the next month, I think. So Yeah. Very, very close. So busy times coming up. And if even if we don't do those one uh, on your own time trial stuff, I'm sure there'll be some fours and nights with everybody. So Yeah, I was thinking of like uh fours of track nights where you can just I like it. Maybe we'll just do like bring whatever car you want and we can just all run laps. It doesn't even matter. We don't like you don't have to race. We'll just do like an open track sure. day in Forza. Sure. <laughs> and then you just like talk to people. I don't know. I feel like that might get violent. So and speaking of track no. days, uh, I did another track night in America with the G20 tonight. As opposed to our future event that we just decided uh, track night in your living room. Yeah. I did a real, real life track night in real life. What track did you go to tonight, Andrew? Thompson again, which I managed to avoid all season because they do the most events there. So early on in the season, I skipped the early Thompson ones and I went to Lime Rock instead because I knew that I would always have a chance to do Thompson because they literally do the most at Thompson. 
So your options there are Thompson, Palmer, and Lime Rock, right? And they HMS. Do and HMS. Yep. They also do track plants there too. Wow, that's yep. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I did. I'm bummed that I didn't do that two yeah. years ago. So <laughs> I've done every track now in New England except for Club Motorsport in New Hampshire. Every non-private track. Yeah, technically Palmer's private. So. Yeah, but Club Motorsport doesn't do like track night in America, do they? No, but Mass Tuning does events there. Oh, okay. So I guess you'll have to give it a go. I will have to give it a go because it's not that far up in New Hampshire. Uh, it's got a big elevation change, so we'll see how that is. So it's a lot track. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, I really should get the Talon and the Galant set set back up. They need alignments, and because uh, I, I feel like I need, I do need a little horsepower sometimes. Well, especially tracks with elevation change, like you complained about Palmer having that big uphill in the G twenty kind of yeah. struggling a little being a sub hundred and fifty horsepower car. Yeah, and a lot with the turbo would be different. I did because for when I signed up for Thompson tonight. Uh, only advance was open. I was like, well, I can do advance because I've done enough. Uh, and it's fine because it's just open passing everywhere, just point buys. But like this, like I had to do just do like a lot of traffic management, just the speed difference of cars. And I was not going slow, but I'm not as fast as a C8 Corvette with arrow. No, like, at the end of the day, came your in car GT4. is like <laughs> mid 90s Nissan. <laughs> like it's not going to. Yeah. Mid-90s Nissan is not a GTR. It's not going to keep up with a new supercar or a sports car no. for that matter. So, understood. And, you know, I could carry it through the corners with them, but then there's little short straights at Thompson, and it's just like I just don't have enough acceleration to even in those short straights, and that just adds up, and people just pull away eventually. Yeah, you know, even like a newer mini cooper s guy was like pulling away from me <laughs> Pretty... well anything with power i mean your car is about 150 horse and new mini cooper s is probably 220 230 or so right yeah with probably but better that's gearing a, that's a big change already right there so. and they have some kind of boost so they don't have any kind of issue with any kind of elevation either so or less issue yeah there's barely any elevation at thompson i thompson flows well i like it um, you know, the straight's like super long. It was funny because coming over the hill tonight, it's like a hill into the front straight, which is 2000 feet long. And it goes into a hard hairpin right hand turn. Um, one of the C8s, I could see it is like, I'm like almost I'm like a quarter of the way down the straight and I can see him pop up over the hill. And I literally just stuck my hand out the window. <laughs> it's like, I know you're coming <laughs> and moved over. And then he literally passed me by the time we're at the midpoint, which sure. is so crazy. They're so fast. That's a 400 horsepower car. So, so fast. Yeah. They easily doing 140 by the end of the straight, probably because I, I yeah. can just hit 110. So what's crazy to me is that they allow the speed difference you- like that. <laughs> Not that they allow the speed difference, but the fact that you can just go to a dealership and buy that. Yeah. You know, it's cool. It's really cool. It's, it's cool, but also it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Anybody can just buy that. All you need to have is 
a credit score. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, that's all you need. There's, there's no rule. It's just like, here you go. Here's, here's a car that's capable of speeds faster than the fastest race car built in 1995, you know, like, and you yeah. just have this and drive it home. It's fine. No stress. What? doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's all right. I, you know, it is what it is. My car is also super cheap. <laughs> I don't have to make payments on it. So no, I mean, it's a hundred thousand dollar car. And also, God forbid, you know, you do wad the thing up in a track day. You're out, you know, five thousand bucks. He's out a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So it becomes my tires becomes are four hundred fifty dollars for a set. Sure, and your brakes are sixty nine ninety nine. Well, like, no, the Hawks, the Hawk pads are, are decent, but with the coupon, they're like 120 bucks. But sure. and then not the 500 his pads probably cost. Here's the thing. I've done probably now on those Hawks, I've done five or six track days and they're not like I've, they've barely worn away because the car's still light. Yep. Like I've only gone through a set of tires in a year, which is fine. That's acceptable for doing like. Four or five track days. All right. Two hundred wear tires. Sure. That's a consumable. But when they're only 400 bucks, no big deal. It's less of an issue. But also the guy with the $100,000 car probably can also afford to buy thousands of dollars worth of tires every couple of track days. Yeah. So it's right. You assume and maybe not because all you need is a credit score to to buy the car. So maybe they are fully extended making the payment for the car. Who knows? doesn't matter it's fun uh it's like you know the only thing that like annoys me with the really fast cars is that i was not holding anyone up i'm just mid corner i'm not going to give you a point by <laughs> like no, as you shouldn't you it i can give you a point by anywhere i want and i'm not comfortable doing it mid corner so you're going to wait till it's a little bit of a straight i'll i'll let you go but sure. like a couple of these guys were like right on my bumper. They couldn't even see my point by. I'm like, dude, like this is not a NASCAR race. You don't need to bump draft me here. Like just, you, you can see, like you can see the closing distance and I know you're coming and you know what part of the track's coming. And they, the flaggers aren't even throwing a blue flag at me. Like, just give me a second here and I'll let you go. Like super. Do they allow passing everywhere in advance as long as a point okay. by. Okay. And the thing is, the car in front controls the pass. So I, sure. I, you know, that's the that's the rule, right? So it's like if, if I don't want you to pass me in the middle of the corner, I'm not giving you a point by. Yeah, well, I mean, so. it makes sense because a, the straightaway, you know where they're going to be. In a corner, you don't know their driving skill. And if they're at almost the limit of adhesion, you point them by and they go past it, trying to go past you. Guess what? They crash you. Yeah. So you don't want that. So, yeah, I generally try to like there's little like I said, there's a little short section between the corners. If if I I'm watching the mirror, I'm trying to watch for it. So I'm like doing the math here. I'm seeing that you're catching me. I'm just going to let you go. I'm not going to like there's no need to run up on me. Like I'm in the slow lane on the highway or something. Like it's it's weird. But uh, I don't know. And, I think it's just kind of a the same thing other than the highway. Probably it's very 
yeah you get some aggression going but it's like you know yeah. also this is a non time trial event so if you don't get a fast lap or there was also a f- it was also a full group so there's a lot of traffic like whatever it is 20 25 cars so like, you never get an open lap anyway you, you might never yeah you're never really going to get an open lap so yeah. just like chill a little bit well it's Be funny because cool. i watch uh that youtube channel um the money car mods yeah and they always bring their builds out on track days after they're finished right and it's the same thing they i see them deal with on the channel like they'll be watching the mirror and the guy's ready for a point by and they'll give a point by but then sometimes you know you're watching them and they're tied up by traffic somewhere but they understand how it works and it's probably the same everywhere but unfortunately you're always going to have those people who are just super aggressive and jerks for no reason so and most of them probably drive corvettes what 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 Sorry. Uh, it was like a, there was a couple of Porsches and Corvettes tonight that were being really annoying. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah, Porsches and Corvettes are probably the same. I, I would assume like, actually. They were chasing each other. It's like, well, I, I get it, but like, relax a little bit. Like, if you, there are sure. plenty of event places to do a total time trial. So, like, go do it that way. Yep. And so I'm like torn. Timed I'm torn because there are things now. Like, Garmin makes a thing that will actually it's sensitive enough it knows exactly your line on the track yep and you tell it the track that you're on and it will calculate like sector times for you and a lot of people use it so this is this is the one i've seen them use on mighty car mods yeah so it's like pretty slick looking i'm like uh, because and uh, like i heard someone using it like we're sitting in the in the queue waiting and i could hear it like preparing to start first lap like that garmin voice yep and i was like oh, okay but it's like i don't know i get it but also i'm like do i want to start timing my laps if i'm not doing time trials i don't know i mean the way i look at it is once you're comfortable enough driving your car at you know close to the limits of your car maybe that's the next step to keep it enjoyable i yeah i mean i probably will i'd be fine doing it but i'm like you know, that's my point where it's like, if you don't get a clean lap, that's just the way it shakes out. You got to wait till the next one. You don't need to be a jerk to sure. the person in front of you. Yeah. Or become part of a club that does smaller events. Yeah. You know, these track Which nights in like... America are specifically designed to get people on track. There's not, they're not designed for you to go out there and cut your fastest lap. The whole reason they do these is so that more people get to enjoy a track yeah. day. So, but like, it was like when I was at the ring and there was one, one of the laps that like the only lap I did, I couldn't do the carousel because I had a freight train of nine elevens behind me. I like pulled off to the right. And then afterwards the instructor was like, next time, just keep the line. They can wait. They'll get another lap. I was like, okay, that's a good attitude. (laughs) Yeah. And that should be the attitude everywhere. And as far as these open track lapping events that are not competitions at all. So I don't know. I, I know that I'm making the moves to do my first one this year. So yeah. I'm taking all of your, uh, your advice to heart here. Obviously I'll be in a beginner class, but. Um, yeah. And it's maybe. not like, like, I don't, I'm not upset that people want to drive fast. That's not the, like, I, I want to drive sure. fast too, but I'm like, you don't need to be overly aggressive because there's nothing to win here and everything to lose. Yeah, so, I think I talked about it last time. After I finished the Corolla, like I'm definitely 
definitely intending on taking it out there and, and doing some open track days this year, but I'll be in the same boat as you where I don't have a car that's very fast in a straight line. So I'll be letting people buy all the time, but it's fine. I, I try to bring the, into it. the chill vibe, like track day bum kind of vibe. Um, that's probably what I would do anyway, because I am the probably the scummiest car out there, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, but I mean, I picked up that pedal, like, I just want wanna... wheels for it, so. But yeah, anyway, exactly. It, it's still fun. It's it was like fun. Dude. Like, so that's the thing. I was in intermediate, I was running up on people and they're holding me up. I was not having that problem now, so I'll just start doing advanced, sure. I guess. And I don't well, feel you like can I was go back and forth too, right? Yeah, I could. And I don't feel like I was holding up people either because I was just letting them buy because I pay attention because that's the problem. I end up getting yep. stuck behind someone that doesn't clear their mirrors and give point buys. And I make it a point to just hand them out like candy. Sure. It's like Halloween night in your neighborhood. Because yeah, because it's as soon as I let you go by, I generally will have an open lap. Like most, well, most, not only that, most of the events, they're not full uh, groups. So, yeah, once I let the fast car go by, then I've got another, you know, if we're running around the same amount of time. It's kind of it kind of keeps like us even and then I might not even see them again for like another five or six laps. Well, not only that, but I'm sure that when you're sitting there with cars in your mirrors, it's a little intense. Like you can't enjoy driving the car in a straight forward if you get a car you're watching in your mirror the whole time. Exactly. So I just let him go later. Makes the most sense to me. Yeah. But anyway, it's fun. Everybody should do it. Yep. I'm going to do it this year. Hold me to it, Andrew. And, um, hold me to it. If your car can make it through a few sessions, it's uh, probably a pretty good car. I I think it can. I think I've uh, fixed all the things that are broken. The only thing I have to worry about is brakes. So I'll figure that out next. But thankfully, the car only weighs like 2,300 pounds. So it's pretty light. So a brake shouldn't be too yeah. an issue. But it has rear drums, which might be a little bit different. It depends on how the bias is. Like the the G20 could almost not have any brakes in the back. Right. It's like they don't they don't actually engage until I'm on the track. I'm sure like, with a disc front and drum rear, it's probably very heavy front biased. So, yeah, because the like I'll, you know, they'll sit and they'll rust and you can drive it around town and it'll still have all the rust pits. Like it doesn't even it, they don't even get cleaned off. It's the strangest thing. Hmm. And then it doesn't happen until a track day. Where they'll, they'll get cleaned up like down to fresh metal. Interesting. Mm hmm. Yeah, the bias. Kind of I don't know. I plan on doing. I plan on doing fluid and pads and new shoes and wheel cylinders in the back, just to just to freshen it up. So what's there is new at least. Uh, they don't make anything super aggressive for the stock brake cap brake calipers. I've noticed. So a lot of the Corolla guys, they make a a kit to switch to you know Nissan two forty brakes and stuff like that. But I'm not hmm. none, none of that. Super, just gonna make it reliable. Super calipers. And good. Nothing that bolts right on. There's no. Weird. Oh, there is a bolt-on kit now. I don't think they do. That? I couldn't find it. I, I'd have Weird. to look again, but 
the problem is, is there's so many different Corolla options. It's hard to know exactly which ones are correct. So, because the Corolla came in many different configurations over the years. So it's kind of hard to figure out. That's all right. We'll figure it out. I'm just going to do, like I said, I'll just do some stock brakes for now. And if they're not good enough, then we'll look into doing something else. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to over modify the car to go to a couple track days. I just want to make it so it runs good and reliable and can complete a track day. And then we'll take it from there. Right. Yeah. So the G20 doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to throw parts at it before you've even done the event. So. Which I'm glad I fixed the ABS because it, I was just a couple of corners. I was just getting the ABS to engage like very lightly. So you didn't click a ABS off track line off. Yeah. No. Driving from the exterior view too. In fact, I was reading about Forza. The new Forza does not give you bonuses for not using those anymore. They said this was to oh, okay. be more in line with the way modern cars are built and the way the systems are set up. That they actually give you an advantage now. Sure. All right. Even though the older cars in the game, I don't know, the older cars have ABS in the game then? They or probably they would because they just yeah. don't. But, you know, if you jump I've always uh, used a- I've always jump- used ABS yeah. in the video game because there's no actual seat of the pants feeling. Yeah. So it's very hard not to know where that point is from locked up to not locked up but if you jumped in a modern imsa car they use abs and traction control so yep 100 percent. not nascar modern systems are (laughs) the modern systems are so good well don't the new nascar cars have some kind of a slip control i thought they might i don't think they do other than a diff i don't think they do not sure which I missed that last race because I didn't realize it was on Saturday night. I thought it was on Sunday. Uh, it was an okay race. Yeah. Um, wasn't the best race, the best Bristol race ever, but it was pretty good. Because what, Danny Hamlin won again? Danny Hamlin won again, yep. Well, he so, almost... And no, Logano... wait. Wait, he almost won the week before, right? Well, let's see. The first race was won by... The first race of the... Of the playoffs was won by Larson. Yep. Then it was Byron. The second again? race was won by was it Byron? I thought uh no. No no no. It was a twenty three eleven car, but who was it? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um it wasn't Ty yep. Gibbs. Nope, he's at twenty three eleven. Um It's a new Ty. guy. That's why we don't know him. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Yeah, like Hanlon was up front, but then he had a terrible Tyler restart. Reddick. Tyler Reddick. Yeah, and he fell back. So Larson, then, Reddick, and then Hanlon. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so the twenty. That's one of the cool things is that two the two full time twenty three eleven cars made it to the next round. So because Bubba made it through the first round. He was on the on the bubble pretty much going into the last race, and uh, he came in just over the cut line. So both twenty three eleven cars are still in the in the playoffs. So that's good. Yes, it's good. All right. Although all yeah. the uh, anti Bubba people on the internet have been saying, "Well, he's only there because Logano crashed out and because Chase Elliott didn't even make the playoffs." It's like, yeah, that's that's how it works. 
Yeah. He's only Works. there because other people didn't. That's and racing. If they were, and if and if they were there, they'd only be there because other other people didn't make it. Like, yeah, I only finished first because the other guy finished second. Yeah, that's that's how it works. That's how it works, folks. <laughs> this is not new. This is not new. Somebody has to win, so somebody has to lose. It's that's not his life. Always wins that win championships. It's consistency. Consistency. So. Yep. Yeah, it's consistency. Like people Absolutely. forget that. Like they think you need to go out and win. I mean, you should try to go out and win as many races as you can. But if you can't, if you can just collect points all season, you'll still do yep. pretty well. So that is also a strategy. Next, <laughs> yeah, this next weekend is Texas, which is always a good one too. All right, so. cool. So anyway, now that we've meandered through that, um, I think hey, you talk oh, your track I, day. We talk about their track day. It's fine. Yeah. So I did the track day. Uh, I don't know if we want to save project car updates all for one thing, and then you can talk about your stuff. Sure. All right. Why don't you talk about your stuff then? My project car stuff? No. Uh, well enough. If you want to do project car stuff first, we'll touch. We'll touch on it real quick. We'll touch on it real quick. Actually, no. We'll just go into project cars. It's fine. All right. Um, let's do mine then. Project I'm cars. Because I'm already talking. Go ahead. Sure. <laughs> uh, yes, folks, we're figuring out on the fly. <laughs> the um. We had kind of an outline. We just have gone off script. No, the um, it's we're in the the part of uh, car ownership in my family where vehicles are transitioning from brand new cars to cars that need maintenance. So, right, my dad's uh, Outlander needed spark plugs, which is a, a V six. So the V six Mitsubishi, the intake plenum goes over one bank of cylinders. Uh, not terribly difficult job. I haven't done it. I did it on the Montero. I haven't done it on a modern Mitsubishi V6. So him and I were doing it. We did the front first that you can get to without taking anything apart. Like other than taking off plastic cover. So those spark plugs done easy. 20 minutes. Now we need to get the back one. So we're doing them going along, like finding every connector, everything. Get it all disconnected, pull the intake off do the spark plugs, get into the, the last one. And I'm like looking in the valley of the engine and I see these two wires that are just naked ends of wires. I was like, oh, what were what, those no attached connector? to? Yep. Oops. I was like, well, what were those connected to? So we finished putting the plugs in so we don't drop anything in there. We're looking around. I had unbolted the connector for the front bank of cylinders for the knock sensor that was bolted to the intake completely forgot that there was a second knock sensor bolted to the other side of the intake. And that I just, as I was lifting the intake off, it was a little bit stuck. I didn't realize. And these are like 22 gauge wires, just like ripped them right out of the connector. Sweet. So we were like, all right, figure out what to do with it. So I think we're going to splice in the wires instead of taking the lower intake off to replace the knock sensors. So you haven't finished, finished it yet. Mm-mm. So you so, had to buy a new knock sensor, or are you able to I splice two, in new connectors? I bought, I bought two new knock sensors, but then my dad was okay. able to find the pins for the connector. So I think we'll just do that. We'll just repin the wires and stick them back in the connector. Uh, and if it totally sucks, then we'll take it apart and put new knock sensors in. But. So you have a plan. You just haven't finished it yet. So this weekend, I guess. We're just waiting for parts. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, ah, oh, 
just like which is the typical the typical move. moment now like that's the 2023 story of life waiting for parts right yeah it was i thought we like had everything obviously i just literally just missed like i unplugged the harness from that connector and then just it blanked on me that it was bolted to the intake and just, just stupid it happens we all make mistakes even andrew but it's and same as the infinity the q45 where all the you know the knock sensors are down in the valley of the v6 you gotta take off the lower intake if you want to get to them i've actually never owned anything modern with a v6 so i've never dealt with that intake plenum thing trying to think yeah no, i've never had a, i've never had a modern v6 car all my modern stuff's been four cylinder so and the only i think the only v6 i ever had I had a couple of old gms mm-hmm. like my cutlass and i had a blazer for a while but never yeah, had i don't any. those maybe didn't even have knock sensors i don't know i wouldn't even know what they probably not they had carburetors <laughs> so i oh the cutlass the cutlass had a carburetor the blazer had the tbi it might have had some kind of sensor but maybe it never broke so yeah, it's fine. I got to do the spark plugs on Stephanie's car, but Subarus are like not as bad as people think they are. I don't think. I don't know. I also never owned one of those. So oh, <laughs> actually, that's not the... true. I did. I did own an Impreza recently, but I didn't put spark plugs in it. So. Oh, you didn't do the plugs? Yeah, those are uh, the, the non-turbos are very easy. They're okay. like, and I guess uh, a BRZ owner was telling me. To do the plugs, you actually do have to lift the engine up a little bit. But on a normal Impreza, you don't have to do that. You just need a short spark plug socket that gets in there. Well, I'm sure lifting the engine a little bit also is not that big of a deal. You just unbolt a couple of motor mounts and jack it up a little. So, yeah, I've had to lift the engine to do some things. I know the uh, stupid, that 91 Honda Civic I had in order to do a, the timing belt, I had to lift the engine. Because it has to go around one of the motor mounts, so like the motor mount goes in between the timing belt. It's dumb. Hmm. Yep. Fun stuff. So anyway, what do you get going on for project car stuff? So as we talked about, I did fin- pretty much finish the Corolla. Uh, I still have to put on the rear pan hard bar, um, which is just. The only reason I wasn't able to do it is I need to weld the bracket onto the car and onto the diff. And I don't have the equipment here to do that with. And also, I'm not really confident enough in my welding to weld on something that's going to be structural. So I'm going to farm that out eventually. Um, so that still needs to be done. Haven't driven it much because I was away, but didn't take the car on the trip as planned. But we'll get into that in a minute. I did the motorcycle fuel pump. I think last time we talked, I had received a fuel pump, but the fuel pump had issues, as in it was incorrect for the vehicle. And I was fighting with the seller who was telling me that I was wrong and that he's been doing fuel pumps for 40 years, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, that case is still going on with eBay. Nothing goes fast with them, unfortunately. Uh, He offered me eventually a... $5 $5 refund, which is 
almost insulting. I don't think that uh, on my $60 worth of stuff, I should get a $5 refund for it not working for my car. So I refused that, obviously. And he eventually went ahead and said um, no still. So I had to take a case with actual eBay and try to get my money back. So actually just before he sat down to record, I got an email from eBay with a return label. So I assume that means eBay is going to refund my money and then charge him back. But either way, I think it's finally resolved, but we'll see what happens next. So in the meantime, I ordered what I thought to be a factory Royal Enfield fuel pump from India. The box I received okay. didn't have any Royal Enfield markings on it. Mm. Took it out of the box. It looked close enough. I was like, all right, that must be it. And this time I didn't just buy the fuel pump. I bought the whole housing so I could just bolt it all in one piece instead of trying to make it all fit together. Just in case there was something weird going on, I just wanted, just to, I wanted it to be one and done, nice and easy. So I go out to put it together. Everything looks the same. All the connections look the same. It did not come with a new O-ring to seal it to the gas tank. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I went to put the old O-ring in the new pump housing, and it was like, I don't know, four or five millimeters too big. So now I was like, of course. Don't you have like cases of O-rings from the maker? I have cases of O-rings, but they're all small, and this is like a, I don't know, four-inch hole. Oh, okay. To- the big O-ring. Yeah, it's not just a small guy. So I didn't have anything nearly big enough for it. So I was like super frustrated going back and forth with it. And I was like, well, I still have obviously my original one. Maybe I can take the guts out of this new one and put these guts in my old housing. It's infield guts. It yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I'm looking at it and comparing the two housings. And the factory one has got, you know, stamping numbers on it and like part numbers on it. And the one that I got, which was quote unquote factory, does not have any numbers on it. It was made so, in a factory. Yes, exactly. It was not made in the real Enfield factory, though. So unfortunately, it's not factory, but it uh, the guts did fit in the original housing. So I was able to transfer everything over to the old housing and put it all together put it on the bike, put the O-ring back in, because now I was using the old housing, so the O-ring was the correct size. Put it all together, put it in the bike, put the tank on, plugged in one plug, plugged in the fuel line, put the key in, click the ignition, no fuel pump noise. No. I was pretty much ready to roll the bike into the middle of the street and light it on fire. But um, then I realized I plugged in one plug, and there are two plugs. Oh, okay. So, yep, I plugged in the second plug, uh, clicked the switch, and the fuel pump kicked right on. So, so Matt, just kidding. I'm stupid. Yeah, went to start the bike, and uh, the battery was dead from my trying to start it without the fuel pump plugged in. <laughs> so I charged the battery, and uh, once the battery was fully charged, the bike kicked on, and it runs. So... All is well in Royal Enfield land. I have not ridden it yet because I literally just got it together because I was away. But that is uh, maybe after podcast tonight or at some point tomorrow. I'll take it for a ride. uh, Slowly expanding mileage of 
Shakedown rides? Yeah, I'll take her on the neighborhood first, I think, and then we'll go from there. I don't, uh, I'm not going to take an adventure to Eastern Arizona before, uh, before I've taken some shakedown rides on it. I, I don't think it'll be a problem. I mean, it's a brand new part. Hopefully it's fine, but obviously I've been burned by new parts before and it's not a Royal Enfield part. So who knows? Can you like store one on the bike somewhere? Too big. A fuel pump? Yeah. Well, the problem is in order to take the fuel pump out, you got to drain the tank of fuel. Oh, so if I'm on the side of the road somewhere, I can't really drain the fuel somewhere. So no, it's not really. I mean, I could put one, I could put a spare one on the bike and have it to have it. But at the end of the day, I just tow it somewhere. It's fine. <laughs> if only you bought a carved bike. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of the most popular things that people in third world countries do they switch them to carbs with the royal enfields is they switch them to carbs and it's like a hundred dollars for the kit to make it from carbs from fuel jacket to carbed but i could not deal with the wrath i would receive from the likes of jordan if i switched my fuel <laughs> to vehicle to carburetor so and also like it should just work and it should just work because it's just stock it's a stock yeah they bike. don't have a bad they don't have a bad reputation as far as the fuel pumps go and mileage goes and you know, as long as you maintain them and do the valve adjustments in schedule, they they'll last for. They're out there with a hundred thousand miles on them, so it shouldn't be an issue. So we'll see what happens. Maybe I got a bad one, and if I got a bad one, I won't have it very long. I'll put it that way. But it is what it is. It rides. It runs. Um, I'll take it for a ride, like I said, either tonight or at some point tomorrow, or certainly over the weekend. Um, I'm working from home right now, so I don't have a commute to use it. So. <laughs> It is what it is. Um, so that's good. That's all said and done. Right before I left on my trip, when I hadn't finished the Corolla in time, I was like, you know what? We'll just take the 944. And then the day I was thinking about just taking the 944, I was coming home from 4 till 4, same place I was coming home from with the motorcycle when it died. And I stopped for fuel. And I filled up with the fuel. And I drove off. And then I heard a weird noise. And then I realized that that weird noise was my left rear tire was flat. Unfortunately, I was not in a place where I could pull right over. So I had to drive maybe, I don't know, a quarter of a mile on a flat tire to get to a safe place to pull over. So obviously, I completely destroyed the tire. I managed to get it pumped up enough to get it to the discount tire that was around the corner. And I pulled in with my 10 pounds of air. And I said, I need a tire. And they said, we don't have any of that size. So, cool. I was just planning on buying like a cheap $50 tire to get me by, right? Well, they didn't have any. So, I priced out tires. And this is where the conversation is going to come up. And I'm going to invite anybody to comment somewhere. Maybe I'll put a post on Instagram they can comment on. Um, The car had Pirelli... P6000s on it. They came with the car when I bought it. I don't know how many miles are on them. They're date coded, I think, 2017. So they're getting older. But they were pretty close to the wear bars. They maybe had, I don't know, three or four sixteenths left. It wasn't, they weren't great. They were getting close to be time to replace them anyway. 
Well, you can date it because it's whenever the Rad 944 got the group four wheels on it. Well, I can date the, when the tires went on the car. I don't know what the mileage was then, though. So it doesn't help me. And I, I, again, they're date coded 2017. I know how old they are. I just don't know the mileage wise between when they were put on and now. So nonetheless, they were getting pretty worn out. Um, they're Pirelli P6000s. They're pretty much like a tire design for Porsche people, I think. Because it's kind of a weird Porsche fitment size. It's a 215-6015. Which is like shared with a two-wheel drive Tacoma. Like it's not a normal sports car size, right? It's an awful big sidewall. It's also pretty wide um, for that size car. But nonetheless... They didn't have them in stock. Also, they're $360 each. What? Which is a lot of money. So I was like, well, if I got to buy two, it is what it is. It's not a big deal. But then I was like, the fronts are pretty worn. So I'm going to need to get four tires eventually anyway. So I might as well buy something else. So I started looking into what was available in a 215-6015. And it turns out there's not a lot. Um, the highest performance tire that I found was a Firestone Firehawk, like Indy 500. Um, not convenient to get in that size either. You can only get them through Firestone. You can't get them through discount or any, or tar- or, um, tire rack or any of that stuff. They're also not cheap. They were close to 250 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, BF Goodrich Radial TA, because it's definitely a muscle car size. You can get those, but no, it's a muscle car tire. That's not really a handling tire either. White letters out. And, yeah, exactly. And then uh, there was a couple of off-brand, like a Hatsu, a Hutsu, a couple other uh, Chinese brands that I couldn't tell you the name of. And then Yokohama made the Avid Touring S in that size. So, being as both of us are Yokohama fanboys for life, I went with the Yokohama Avid Touring S. It's not a super sticky tire, but it's also not a terrible tire. Um, I don't think that it's too compromised. The car is transformed from the old Pirellis that were on it. I don't think I realized how bad those Pirellis were as far as the everyday driving of the car. Tires the same size, 215, 60, 15. Car does not have power steering. And it was actually exhausting to drive it before with those tires on it. With the Yokohamas on it, it steers so much lighter. It feels much more normal to drive around town than it used to. In fact, I highly hope that next time you come and visit, you get a chance to redrive the car with different tires on it. Because one of your complaints was how hard it was to steer. Um, it makes a huge difference in the car. It's a very different experience now. So I pulled them Doesn't up on tire the driving. Rack. Okay. They only make them in three sizes. What's this? The Pirellis or the Yokohamas? Pirellis. Okay. One of them is your... 215-60-15, which it, yep. there's a note. This is N3 Perens Porsche. Okay, so it's for a Porsche. 
Yeah. I have a hard time believing these are 180 treadwear tire. They just don't look it. They, they weren't like that really sticky either. Ugly tread design. Yeah, and they weren't that sticky. 180 AA is like super sticky. Yeah, they were That's not. Like 200 is like what my Falcons are. And also, I've road tripped this car a bunch on those tires. And if they were a true 200 or less tread wear, they would have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, so. these are weird tires. And yeah, yeah four tires is $1,400. Yeah, so much money. <laughs> and they're super ugly. They look good in the car because they look period correct. I guess. Yeah, that's that's the but one good look thing. Look at this tread. The tre- this tread looks like the Touring S tread. Yeah, honestly, I was afraid that when I put the Touring S tires in the car, it was going to be like super weak looking. But if you don't read the name on the sidewall, the car looks exactly the same. So now here's my thought process. And this is where I've had a little pushback from you and some other friends on the Discord and in general. But also some people do agree with me. The car is a 1984. I am of the thought that a good touring tire from 2023 is probably better than a street sports car tire from 1984. As far as compound and, you know, aggressiveness and handling. I believe it's every bit as good as whatever came on the car in 84 and probably better. Now, I haven't driven the car up in like super twisty roads yet. I haven't taken it to the mountains, but I have driven it on a couple of on ramps and I took a couple of, you know, our famous Phoenix 90 degree corners um, aggressively quick. And the car didn't do any weird squealing. It didn't understeer or oversteer it it drove very predictably and the car is significantly more light on its feet than it was so i don't think it ruined the car i think that driving a car that's this old you know putting super sticky modern tires on it i think might almost ruin the car around town and i'm not going to argue that on a track Uh, Obviously, a super sticky tire is going to make a huge difference. It's going to be better on a racetrack. But for a car that gets driven on city streets with an occasional blast up in the mountains, I don't think I'm compromising by putting on the Touring S over trying to buy something more aggressive and sticky. And then at the end of the day, the difference between $109 a tire and $1,400 for three tires is huge. Uh, I honestly think the problem now looking at these like on tire rack is that Pirelli's are crap tires. Like they are junk tires. Yeah, they were junk. The cars had a nasty vibration in the front since I've owned it. And I had the thing balanced twice. This, I guarantee it. The car putting like 200 treadwear Falcons on the car would not make it any worse than the Pirelli's. It would make it much better. And I'm not, I'm not just, I, the improvement in driving is that you have good tires on it now. The per, like Pirelli's are junk. I've always I've never liked Pirelli's. I remember they came on Mitsubishi's for a little while, like Outlanders or something, and people would just go through them, and we end up replacing them with Yokohamas. 
Sure. They're just a junk tire. I've only ever had one set of Pirellis. It's um, that Italian tire joke. <laughs> I don't know. Is there one? Yeah, I don't know if it's appropriate anymore, so I'll tell you it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I've I've only had now two experiences with Pirellis. Um. They were on something, something I had at Pirellis, and they were. I think my GTI at one point had Pirellis on it, and they weren't great then either. So, no, it was Continentals. I don't remember. Anyway, regardless. The, the car drives so much nicer now, and I genuinely am of the thought process, and I've been this way for a long time, and I had the same thought when I had my RX-7, because when I had my first-gen RX-7, it had, you know, not super sticky tires on it. The car was very fun and lively, and the back end slid around a little bit, and it's not a very fast car, so it's nice to have that little playfulness to it. And then having driven one with super sticky modern you know, 200 or less treadwear tires on it. I think a lot of that fun playfulness is gone in the car. And like I said, I'm not going to argue that it's not a better drive for like a racetrack experience. But the only thing that I care about is the seat of the pants feeling and enjoyment out of the car. And I think as far as around town on an older car like that, half of the fun of the older car is the car moving around underneath you. And I think by putting ultra modern rubber on an old car, you lose a lot of that. So that's my thought process. And again, it's opinion, right? So it's not going to be right or wrong. But I was surprised that everybody was against my opinion on that. And I don't know if it's because they don't understand what I'm trying to say. Maybe I wasn't clear enough over text conversation. You're not changing the sidewall size. You're just changing the compound. It just still has float because it's still the same sidewall. But there's... Um, the float isn't the issue. Moving around is like the tire slipping and not being. They'll just... still slip. Yeah, but the, the the your limits are so much higher. You have to be driving the car so much harder, and I don't want to be doing that in the street. Yeah, that's is weird. It's, I don't really. I don't it's the same. Really it's the same you. reason that people that buy new FRSs when they take off the tires that come with them and they put on sticky tires, they say, "Oh, the little bit of playfulness of the car is gone." Because now it has so much I more grip. Yes, I want more grip. And I want more grip if I'm always driving the car on track days and autocross and 10 tenths. But I don't want more grip if I'm driving a car on the street. It's the reason that I prefer a narrow body Starion to a wide body Starion because the car has more, more movement, more, more emotion, more fun. It just makes the car more fun to me than having just the ultimate grip. I don't think you're getting that from the tires, though. It's weird. I don't. I don't know how to explain you're wrong, but you're wrong. <laughs> See, I don't think I am, and and I've experienced this time and time again. The RX-7 is one. The Starions are another. Like I've had driven them with RX-7 had standard... tires from 1984 on it. They were a little newer than that, but still, it was more fun when I had more slip and give than one that doesn't have that. It's I don't opinion. think. I don't think oh. you would find that with like a set of a Zenus is not as sticky as you think it is until they're hot. If you're just driving around, they're not like so much grip. You're going to traction roll the car. Well, ultimately at the end of the day, I made the best choice I could for the car. 
in that size that was available. I I think the majority of it was that Pirellis are very bad tires. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no way that that should have been harder to steer. Because putting 200 treadwear tires on my cars has not made them harder to steer. Yeah, I don't know why it was. I don't it's, know what the big it, difference it, is there. It steered like it had flat tires and they would have yeah, air in them. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, they had 32 pounds in them. <laughs> yeah. They were overinflated a little bit just to make it easier to steer. Yeah, no, it, that 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 shake in the front end is gone. The car is much easier to drive. Um, and again, I think that given the choices that I had in that tire size, there isn't much available that's higher performing than a touring tire. Which is so, weird because there's, there's 600 trade wear. <laughs> yeah. But I think by going with that, I made the right choice for the car. I think it suits the car. I think it suits that era of car. I think that it's probably closer to what the car was new on the tires that it came with new. So that's my own unprofessional opinion about the car. And I'm the guy that owns the car and has drive, has to drive the car. And I think I'm satisfied with it. Um, it is what it is. So, and that's the bottom line, Andrew. That's where I'm So at. why'd you put nice tires on the Eclipse then? Because the Eclipse is a 90s car. It's different. There's literally the much tire... difference. Yeah, the tire technology in the 90s was a lot better than tire technology in the early I mean, days. I suppose uh, the 944 has Beetle suspension, so it's really a car from the 30s. It has, it has Volkswagen Rabbit front suspension and Volkswagen Beetle rear suspension, so it's fine. Yeah, so it's from the 30s. Yes, 100%. Half 30s, half 70s. Yeah. But nonetheless, I, I don't think I ruined the car by any means. And if anybody wants to deal with it, they're more than welcome to buy me stickier tires. But I am content with tires that are on the car. They look error appropriate, they feel error appropriate, and the car drives nice. And I'll probably use it more now because it's easier to drive it around town. And it was not easy to drive around town before. So, so that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I'd have to change wheels to get a, a stickier tire that wasn't a Pirelli, basically. Like I don't know what a BFG Radial TA treadwear is. Probably also 600, right? So, I'm pretty sure this is the same size that's on the Q45. It could be. They're huge. They're a really big tire for a really small car. Because they're, I wanted to keep those 15 inch meshes because they look better. Yep. But yeah, it was really hard to find the right size. And nobody makes a V-rated tire in that size anymore, which is what the car would have come with. Sure. Yeah, these are S or T, I think. It's a T. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Avid Touring S, but the T rating. So you can only go to 118 miles per hour. I don't think I'll ever drive that car anywhere near there. So we're going to be all right. It's probably, that's probably somewhere around the uh, top speed, actually. I had to guess somewhere around 120 is probably it. So. All right. So. What else we got? As far as project cars go, let's hit project cars. Um, given my history lately with... Uh, newer vehicles. Hopefully, this one doesn't turn into a project car. But our Maverick is built. Oh yeah, our Maverick is built. We were not affected by the UAW strike. Thankfully, uh, it and was built like... at the Hermosillo plant in Mexico. 
which is a it is it is a union, but it's a different union. And it's so at it was the um, it's like at it, the dis- distribution area, isn't it? It's at the distribution area now, which is about seven miles from here, um, in El Mirage, Arizona. So it's a the train tracks go through there, and they unload all the new cars off the train cars, and they load them onto the delivery trucks and bring them to dealers. So our vehicle should be somewhere between there and the dealership right now is my hope. So Mm -hmm. we'll have that uh, very soon. So, and obviously I'm excited for it, but Naomi is over the moon excited for it because obviously it's her vehicle. Ordered it a year ago. Ordered it as of today, 370 days ago, which is not crazy. Yeah. It took a long time. We were pretty much ready to give up. But we didn't, and uh, it's coming. So, pretty exciting. We're uh, been looking at the accessory catalogs and all the stuff she wants to do, and she's never owned a brand new car before, so should be enjoyable. So, and I'm looking forward to having that brand new car for her as well, because one less thing to worry about. Whereas, I do worry about every little noise that the Hyundai makes, uh, which makes more and more every day it seems <laughs> and uh, the air conditioning is not the coldest anymore so I think it'd be nice to get her in a brand new car and not a 250,000 mile Hyundai so which she's literally That's owned nothing. for 12 years so I mean hopefully the Ford lasts oh, just as long right? gotta get your money it was worth out of that car she certainly did certainly did it's not going far I think it's staying in the family going to a younger driver so We'll still see it around, but nonetheless, at least it's uh, almost done here. So, and we were glad that they actually did get her in on a 2023 Maverick because the color that we had ordered was discontinued for 2024. And if you had to reschedule a 2024 order, you would have had to get a different color. So, exciting times. So I took a road trip last week, Andrew. Yeah, I did. Did uh, about thirty-two hundred miles in ten days. Well, which well, that's not a lot when you think about it. That's driving across country is about the same. You can do it in two or three days, right? So we kind of we meandered, but we flew to Seattle. We rented the car enthusiast choice. Um, yeah, of course, a Nissan Rogue. Certainly, uh, what we all dream of driving. Um, before I get into the trip, quick car report: it wasn't terrible. Quick, and maybe by saying that, you'll understand why I don't care about tires anymore. Okay, yeah. I mean, clearly, you're broken. It, it wasn't terrible. Um, it uh, it did car things as a car should. As long as you didn't get into the gas too hard, because then the uh, CVT did its Nissan Jatco CVT thing where it just kind of didn't know what to do. And the 
revs were just up and down all over the place while I tried to figure out how to accelerate. Um, that being said, I think the only reason I genuinely enjoyed it is because the CVT would kick down to a really low gear ratio and it was a turbo motor and it spooled up and made turbo noises at lower RPM. So it was kind of entertaining on the twisty roads only because you had that little turbo sound, um, even though it's only a three cylinder, but didn't realize they made a three cylinder in those, but yeah, they're a little three cylinder, 200 and some odd horsepower turbocharged driveline. Um, so it makes cool noises, even if it's not tremendously powerful, but it did its job. It also got like 36 miles per gallon. So it was pretty effective on saving us money on the trip. So we flew to Seattle, right to the Rogue. Um, it wasn't my first choice, but our options were Rogue, I think a Dodge Caravan, or a Nissan Frontier. Um, ideally, I would have taken the Frontier, but we had luggage and whatnot, and you can't secure luggage on a road trip in the back of a Nissan pickup truck. So we went with the uh, the Rogue instead. So Gone Rogue. Yeah. It's amazing. Like one of those things, like you don't realize how many rogues are on the road until you're driving one. And I don't know, just because we were in touristy areas and they're all rental cars, but there were a ton of rogues. And we made jokes about going rogue or Star Wars all, all, the whole trip, of course, because it's just what you do when you're a car nerd and a nerd in general and you're in a car called a rogue. But it did, it did, it did car things just fine. It had air conditioning. It had Android Auto, and it's all you really need, right? And fuel efficiency for a three thousand mile road trip. So, anyway, we got in the car, we drove it to Canada. So we started our trip over the border in Canada, in British Columbia, at a place called White Rock, British Columbia. Had delicious dinner there. Happened to chance into the local cruising scene. There was a ton of lowriders, ton of muscle cars. Custom motorcycles, air-cooleds, all kinds of cool stuff, just like cruising up and down the beachfront there. Um, if you didn't tell me I was in Canada and told me I was in L.A., I would have not questioned it based on the cars that were there. I did not know that Western Canada had such a wild, like, lowrider scene. <laughs> there were, we probably saw 30 lowriders just out driving around. That's more than I see here in Phoenix on any given car show day. So that was kind of cool. Um, drove back over the border, pretty quick, easy drive over the border from Canada into America. Did that, went back up a little bit North around the whole edge of Washington through the state parks, met up with a friend of the podcast and discord member, uh, just outside of Aberdeen, Washington in, uh, I forget the name of the town we actually had dinner in, but it's next door to Aberdeen. Uh, Aberdeen, Washington is famous for being the home of Kurt Cobain. And in fact, when you drive into town, there's a big sign that says, come as you are underneath the city name. Okay, fair enough. They really, they've definitely leaned into it. Uh, We were able to drive over the bridge that crosses the muddy banks of the Wishka that is uh, sung about in Nirvana songs. 
So that was kind of kind of cool. Not the world's biggest Nirvana fan, but it's neat to kind of have that little bit of history while you're there. Uh, drove down the whole coast of Washington. I don't know how to describe any of this, Andrew, other than if you haven't done a Pacific Northwest road trip, anybody listening, you should do it. The scale of everything is impossible to describe. Um, just pick the US 1, 101 combination route from north to south or south to north and prepare to be amazed at every turn. Uh, the roads in coastal Washington uh, were amazing. I definitely wish I was not in a Nissan Rogue. Um, I wish I did get the Corolla done in time and got it up there because, man, what a fun, fun set of roads the whole way down the coast. It's all twisties, all switchbacks. I mean, we did 3,000 miles, and I would say probably 2,100 miles of it was like mountain pass quality roads. It was absolutely amazing. And because we were in the Rogue, it wasn't super rapid. But because it was a brand new car, at least it was fairly confident. And uh, it did it did its best. It did its best. It did better than the Prius that I drove through the Dragon. We'll put it that way. So, um, did you see any Bigfoot? Yeah, I didn't see. I did not see Bigfoot. We did see Bigfoot stores. They're real okay. big into the Bigfoot stores. Um, I did get you a uh, a Bigfoot sticker. I have to get to you at some point. All right. Um, yeah, it was Bigfoot stores everywhere. Actually, we also went to the town uh, called Forks, which is where you saw the first Bigfoot store, but also apparently is the town that the movie Twilight is based in, which as somebody who's never read the books or seen the movie, I had no idea. So when we drove into town, the first sign you see, it says uh, werewolf treaty zone, no werewolves past this point. And I was like, that's good to know. Didn't really even put two and two together that had anything to do with Twilight. I just thought it was some weird town joke. But it was uh, comfortable to know that there were no werewolves past that line. So uh, apparently the whole town, the movie wasn't filmed there. They just say in the movie it's where they are. So because there's nothing else in the town, they've just gone in real hard on it. And every store has a section of things dedicated to Twilight. So. Oh. We came from a hometown that went real hard into moist trials. So that's true. That's true. Lots of other stuff happened there too, but which trials it is. Um, anyway, yeah. So just the coastal scenes up and down the entire West coast are amazing all through Washington. There's all kinds of like outcroppings of rocks out in the ocean off every outlook and around every corner. The view is just more spectacular than the turn before. And the turns are spectacular. The roads are paved beautifully uh, you drive through so much state park and national park that there's no buildings there's no businesses there's no stores just you in the woods on one side and the ocean on the other and it's 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 hard to describe um oregon very similar to washington more epic roads uh, we stopped at uh cannon beach where they filmed the goonies that's the big they call it haystack rock so that's neat to drive by. Um, and then just, we stayed in the coast the whole way, the rest of the way through Oregon, uh, Northern California. Actually met up with the second member of the Discord and friend of the show, Alex Stadel. Uh He got to show us around his, um, it's almost a mid-century modern museum. 
the house has not been updated physically at all and it looks amazing and i love that stuff so that was super cool to see and then of course you know i got to hang out with his rally cars and his dodge colt rally car which is you know super cool to see another dodge colt especially one that was a historic rally car it's a 1977 that's been rallied since pretty much it was a new car so it's got quite the story and tons of cool parts a bunch of the original um yeah, I can't think of the name of the company now. The Direct Connection. That was the Dodge performance brand. A bunch of the original Direct Connection rally parts. The Safari suspension parts. And it's it's cool cool to see that stuff still existing in the world. Definitely jealous. It's not mine. But very cool car. Uh, so a huge thanks to uh, Alex for opening his house up to us. We actually stayed there for a night. Hung out with him. And... Uh, Gave us some pointers or some places to check out on the way down. Stopped at a place called Goat Rock Beach. Continuing our unintentional Goonies store. It's actually where the final scene from the Goonies is filmed. Where One-Eyed Willie's standing on the beach and the boat's like going off in the distance. Which, as a Goonies fan, I should remember now. I don't remember the name of the boat, but you know the boat I'm talking about. I've only seen the movie once. Okay, excellent. Anyway. I wasn't really that into the movie, so... Anyway, they're sitting on the beach and the boat is going off in the distance. And that scene was filmed at Goat Rock Beach. So I don't know. It's just it's we saw the I've never seen the the Redwoods or driven down what they call the Avenue of the Giants, where all the Redwoods just line the sides of the roads. And to be like, oh, I saw trees doesn't do it justice. I mean, these things are. There's a reason that people go there, right? Like. It's absolutely amazing how big these trees are. And some of the trees in the old growth part of the Redwood Forest are well into the 2000s years old, like 2,700 year old trees, 2,500 year old trees. Like it's amazing to think that a tree can be standing for over 2000 years. So that's, I I can't even, it's so long, (laughs) so long. Um, we did the, the drive through tree in one of them. You, the tree is cut out at the bottom and you can drive your car through it. It also seems kind of insane that they did that. Well, they did it in the twenties or thirties. Yeah. So nobody cared. And the tree is not actually in the national park. It's just another random redwood that's outside of the national park on private land. So oh. whoever owned the property was like, I'm gonna charge tourists $15 to drive through my tree. Or whatever it cost in 19-whatever when they first cut it open. A dime. Um, yeah, probably. But there's like pictures of like Model A's going through it. What's funny to me is, I don't know, because obviously it's not gotten any smaller over time, the opening. And our yeah. Nissan Rogue barely fit through. Like It was kind of sketchy putting it through there. And a Nissan Rogue seems to me to be a, quite a bit smaller than anything you would have bought in like 1958. So I guess... I don't know. I, I can't imagine an old car from the 50s or early 60s having been driven through this tree. Um, I've seen pictures of it recently where people are trying to drive like Nissan Armadas through it. It's like they don't fit. So that video of the Nissan Armada is a different one. Oh. That video, you talk, the one with like the kind of ice cream Armada trying yeah. to go through it. So that tree, there's three different trees you can drive through. Two of them were cut by people for the purpose of driving your car through it. 
and one of them is a natural split through the tree. And that video is of the one of the natural split through the tree. Weird. And that guy does not have a good time. <laughs> so we didn't actually see that one. We saw the one that was obviously, the, they call it the chandelier tree. Um, I didn't go back in and walk through it afterwards and like look at all the rings and stuff in the bottom of it. And that actually is also a 2,400-year-old tree. And it's absolutely, absolutely absurd that it's that old and you can just drive your car through it. But it was an experience. If, if you're there, like... That feels yeah, insanely bucks, American. You have to do it, right? You can't not do it. Yeah. But of course it's American. What are we going to do? We're going to cut a hole in the tree to put a car in it. All right. You know, we're going to charge people to drive through it. All right. But I mean, it was a nice little stop. And they had a little store there. And they had nice clean bathrooms. So it was a good, like, stop in the middle of nowhere. Just kind of rest for a few minutes. But it was... Yeah, I, again, I, I can't even explain... No words that I can say or any pictures that I took or posted anywhere will do any justice to any of these sites. I forgot to say we, we took the, we went up to the Mount Rainier National Park and that is it, the whole time you're driving on the Mount Rainier National Park road. It's like you're driving in the sound of music. Like that, that whole landscape is just super lush green, ridiculous. Like it's, it's. I could sit here and describe different things and tell you how great everything is. But at the end of the day, like just find a way to get there. You know, you don't have to do the whole, whole coastal drive if you don't want to, but fly into Washington, take a few days in Washington. And then in the future, fly into Oregon, take a few days in Oregon. Oh, we also saw Crater Lake, which is obviously a volcanic mountain that has over thousands of years after the eruption filled with water. And it's one of the cleanest lakes in united states it's thousands of feet deep and you can see if you're at the surface which we never got to go down to unfortunately but i guess you can see down in the lake like hundreds of feet when the, when the sun is up high because it's so crystal clear and so clean inside so it's i, I again I, I can't even i can't even describe it it's just find a reason to get up there find a reason to see it um you think stuff's big in in new england you know you've been up mount washington you've been around that in all the mountains in Vermont, everything seems so big. Go out west; it's it's all so much bigger. Why do you think people think uh, there's a relic hominoid uh, yeah. animal running around out there? Yeah, absolutely, and they definitely lean hard into that out there too. There's so many little Sasquatch things because um, it's like it could it could hide out there. Sure. Sure, there's uh, multiple not related to each other Sasquatch coffee shops. Like, they're just, everything out there is Sasquatch something. You know, the restaurants serve, quote unquote, Sasquatch burgers. Like, it's just a, it's their thing. And uh, you, you would enjoy that factor of it immensely, I'm sure. Um, I, uh, I think I want to be a believer now, too, like, just from being there. Like, it's it's such a cool spot. Like, Anyway, we, we continued on down through California. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do 100% of the coastal road because of a rock slide at, near Big Sur. So the one is closed down near Big Sur for a few miles. So we had to go inland and out around for a little bit. Um, we've both been through Big Sur. We've been through Big Sur together, so it wasn't the end of the world. But couldn't quite complete 
the whole Excuse me, Big Sur. on the coast. Yeah. Why why you be rude, Big Sur? But anyway, we kept driving south, kept driving south. Um, and actually we went all the way into Tijuana. What? So yeah. We figured we started in Canada. We're all the way in San Diego. We might as well go to Tijuana, right? Yeah, I guess. We're that then... close. You might as well go. So we didn't drive into Tijuana um, because the line to get back was like three and a half hours long. So you can actually park on the American side and then you can walk across the border. And then there's a bunch of little touristy shops and whatnot on that yeah, side. Tijuana, right man. You get some tuck and roll. Yeah, to return the rental car with a new interior. I <laughs> uh, did not do that. No, because again, we didn't bring the car there. We just walked over the border. Um, and uh, it was an experience. Um, I don't want to get too political on the show, but obviously everything you you hear about everything being scary and terrible, um, it's not. <laughs> it was fine. Well, Tijuana is all touristy. Uh, this part of Tijuana was not very touristy. Um, it was definitely... I wouldn't exactly call it uh, perfect, but it was... It was of the same, I don't know, it was very South Phoenix, I guess. It's not a place you'd probably want to just go and hang out right there. I'm sure you, you so what happens is you walk in to Tijuana, where we walked in, the, the, the Peace Bridge or whatever, the Peace Arch. You walk in, and the second you get out of the building and into Mexico, you're just inundated with lines of cabs. And they're all just trying to get you to get in their cab to go to whatever touristy spot you want to go to. So we didn't do that. We just kind of stayed and walked around that general area, but there's only like one block right there. We even would walk to anything because it becomes residential immediately. So we didn't go to the touristy part of Tijuana. Unfortunately, we went to the other border crossing because a, it was closer and B there was less of a wait to walk back into the United States from going to the other one. So um, unfortunately, what we didn't factor in when we went in there was that we were there on Mexican Independence Day. Oh. So there were a lot of people trying to get back. So even the walking line was like a two hour line to get back to the United States afterwards. So is what it is. It was fun. I've never been into Mexico. So now I can say that I did 3000 miles, three countries in one road trip, which in 10 days time, in North America, you couldn't get to any more than three countries. So did it, I did it all. <laughs> three states, three countries. And then I guess five states, if you count the province of British Columbia and as Tijuana, the city, or is that the city, right? It's not the, I forget what state of Mexico that is. But nonetheless. So yeah, we finished uh, the road trip portion of it, I guess, in Tijuana. Got back to the car, checked the odometer. We'd done 2,800 miles, but we were still in um, San Diego. Decided that since we were in San Diego and we had some time to kill before we had to drive back across to Arizona, that we would go to a place that I've heard rumors about, but I had to see from my own eyes and taste buds in San Diego. We went to uh, Big Jim's Roast Beef. Yeah. 
which Big Jim's Roast Beef is a North Shore, Massachusetts roast so, beef shop in San Diego. Is it related to the Big Jim's that was in Salem? It is not. So I went in and I started talking to the guy and I was like, hey, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from the East Coast. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, like, where are you from? And he's like, well, Massachusetts. And I'm like, dude, I know you're from Massachusetts. They're obviously from Massachusetts. What city are you from? Because you have North Shore roast beef. And he's like, oh, he's like, I'm from Newburyport. And I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. So this, this, this will be legit then. He's like, oh, 100%. I like, okay. I said, uh, so unfortunately, there's not really much good roast beef in Newburyport. <laughs> you had to take it and bring it all the way to California instead. But he... Uh, he made us roast beef sandwiches. So the second I told him that I was from Salem and he said, Oh, so you guys want two hot three ways. And I was like, yep, hundred <laughs> percent. So obviously he knows, you know, the vernacular cause he's from there and he knew exactly what we wanted. So we had two, uh, super beef three ways. Um, I got mine without a bun, unfortunately because of my gluten issue, but you can still eat them with a fork and knife. It's fine. And, uh, Naomi got hers on a grilled onion roll, as a super beef should be. They were a little bit more expensive than a super would be, probably here. Or not here, but in Massachusetts. What's what's a know, super cost they, now? Ooh, they're pretty expensive now. It cost you like Save it to, to Jamie's tomorrow. Bucks. Okay, so it's the same money though. It's thirteen dollars. Mm-hmm. So but a hundred percent worth it. So, so legit. I mean, oh, it's a hundred percent legit. It's like, I, I, yeah, I had to top off my, my internal James River barbecue sauce reserves anyway, because I hadn't had it in some time. So it was, it was good to have it on the West coast. So I will never not go there now. Every time in San Diego, like we have two stops. We make it, we, we, we have one stop. We used to make it San Diego at a place called Oscars. It's like a seaside taco shop. Yeah. Ridiculously good. Um, so now we'll have to do like dinner at one lunch at the other every time we're in san diego i'm surprised there san diego now and again because that's like a four and a half five hour drive yeah i'm surprised there isn't uh, a roast beef place like that in phoenix yet because you get enough transplants so many transplants but the problem is it's such a localized thing like it's literally like north of boston south of new hampshire you know east of 495 like it's just that one little pocket of New England. It's not it's just even. Whole... It's even like east of ninety five, one twenty eight. Yeah, ninety five is what I meant. Actually, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's um, really, it's really localized. In fact, even Big Jim's roast beef shop in uh, San Diego, it says New England style on the sign. It doesn't say North Shore style because that would confuse California people, thinking it's from the North Shore of California. Exactly. So I was like, oh. Where are you from? He's like, oh, the Northeast. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, where are you from? He's like, well, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm like, and I'm aware. <laughs> where in Massachusetts, dude? <laughs> He's like, oh, Newburyport. And I was like, all right, I'm from Salem. He's like, all right, so you want two hot, two hot three ways. And I was like, yep, it's exactly what we want. It's funny, though, because it just, the name, it just reminds me of what it, there used to be a, a Big Jim's in Salem. Oh, Big Jim's, Big that, Fred's. Was it Big Fred's or Big Jim's? Well, the one now I'm confusing on it. Now it's Sammy's. Now was it that Big, was Big Fred's? That was, that was Big Fred's. Oh, yeah, totally confusing it. But there was a yeah. Big Jim's, I think. There was definitely a Big Jim's. Yeah, Big Jim's was in. I don't remember. There's definitely a Big Jim's. Obviously, yeah. so we grew up 
not really so big fred's was definitely a place we'd go to but we always went over the border into beverly and got nicks because nicks was like nicks was the best for years at least in the 90s early 2000s now the hot setup in our shore is peabody it's jamie's roast beef yeah because you've got actual chefs came in and started doing this yeah so yeah and i uh I recommend it to anybody who's in the West Coast in Southern California that if you ever want to experience these roast beef sandwiches that we rave about and forget about any roast beef sandwich you've ever had at Arby's or anywhere else to go to Big Jim's and order a uh, a super beef three-way and just prepare to be blown away. It's, it's pretty amazing. Well, it's funny because even where I work a lot of the people are transplants and like, we'll be at lunch. And I was like, I was like, no, there's like a North shore roast beef sandwich. They're like, what? Like some people know what it is. Some people don't. I'm like, no, no, no. go. Like when you go up to visit Salem, go get a roast beef sandwich. Yep. It's like, it's, it sounds insane for me to like, it's just a pile of meat with barbecue sauce and mayo and cheese. And you're like, what? No, but I'm like, I'm like, you've had a cheesesteak? It's like a cheesesteak, but better. Sure. Yeah. It's it's like Philly's known for cheesesteaks, North Shore's known for roast beef. Yeah. And we take it seriously. And uh, you can't, I, mean, I guess you could replicate it yourself, but it's not easy. Because you need to have the slicer that makes real thin slices. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be hot. You got to have the right amount of, you got to have uh, one third the amount of barbecue sauce that you have beef or whatever they're sauce to bun ratio beef yeah, to bun ratio yeah it's a lot and if you want to know how serious we take it you have to join the north shore beast facebook group and then you'll see how serious it gets yeah or don't it's so it's pretty toxic <laughs> it's the uh star wars cantina <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's pretty toxic i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't recommend i wouldn't recommend venturing in those waters if you're not serious about it but if you're ever in Southern California in San Diego or Northeast Massachusetts between Revere and Gloucester. Go somewhere, order a roast beef and your life will be forever changed. So I've, uh, I've had half joking, half serious conversations with, uh, another friend here in Phoenix was from Malden about opening our own roast beef restaurant, but it's not really my passion to run a restaurant. So, no. Will never happen. No. But we both miss All it tremendously, right. so. Well, anything else? No, we've gone for like an hour and a half, and I think we should probably shut it down right about now. All right. So on that beef, <laughs> where can they find you, Brad? Uh, driving to San Diego to have roast beef sandwiches. Uh, no, they can find <laughs> I mean, I, I we got back, and I was like, next weekend, we're driving back for more roast beef. <laughs> Um, they can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. Uh, I just posted actually some pictures from this trip today. Um, and they can find me also on Instagram on the auto off topic page where I haven't posted much at all and should and scale autocast where I have been posting diecast content at least weekly, trying to go more often. What can they find you, Andrew? By me, Raced in Anger on, on uh, 
Instagram, uh, and that's about it these days. That's where I'm most active. And sure. our Discord. And Discord, more importantly. We've we've pushed the Discord quite a lot. Send us In a fact, message on Instagram, uh, either through any one of our, so my account, Brad's account, or the Auto Off Topic account, and we'll send you a link to join. Or even the Scale Autocast account. doesn't matter. Send us yep. a message. We'll get to you. Um, and maybe uh, next road trip, I'll come have dinner with you. Yeah, Brad needs more people to to uh, crash at their house for road trips. So come join our Discord. <laughs> Seriously, though, I, I cannot thank Alex enough for for having us stay at his house one night. It was it was lovely to meet his dogs and see his whole property. And and I, I can't thank Miles enough for coming out to dinner and uh, and having dinner with us and treating us to the local dining fair of the Aberdeen, Washington area. So it was, it's truly amazing to think that all this is built from this little podcast. So fully enjoyed it. Anyway. All right, cool. As always, keep guys analog. Aim the roses.